I'm joined on Football CFB today by someone I'm delighted to have. I've, I've been trying to get a referee on the podcast for a while and I'm delighted to say that Mark Kelsey, the former Premier League referee who's refereed at the, the highest levels of the game, is joining me. Mark, thank you. Good afternoon, Callum. How are you? Yeah, not bad. How are you coping? Yeah, listen, um, I, I mean, obviously, I'm, I'm in Spain at the moment um, with, with my 14-year-old daughter. We've been here for a few years. Patterson and falls with work. Um, obviously, with our illnesses, my wife's illness um, with her leukaemia. She's um, back in the UK, so she's stuck in the UK. She's been there for oh, six or seven weeks. Um, obviously, won't doubt we'll meet up now until the end of June. Um, so it's it's been difficult, and obviously, with in in lockdown in Spain, it's been it's been um, quite quite stringent here. Not not like it has been in Scotland and, and the UK, obviously. Um, but it's been very, very strict here and it's hard work trying to get to, you know, your daughter to homeschooling and, and obviously because she speaks fluent Spanish, it's hard for me to, especially her maths. I ain't got a Scooby-Doo with maths and things like that, but uh, and the language is obviously difficult for me. But listen, you know, it, it is what it is and um, it, it's just um, sad to see what's going on around the world and obviously... You know, around Europe with 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 this virus, it's 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 shocking. You know, the amount of lives that have been lost. It absolutely is. And the first question I wanted to start with was, well, it's probably a question I would have. I'm better saying I would like to have asked you before this lockdown started, because I know I was going to say, what are you up to now? We all know we're in lockdown, but what were you up to before this started? Um, obviously, um, I, I do a little bit of um, coaching. Um, and obviously, I write a column for the Sun newspaper, where um, you know all the what's with um, incidents that go on within within the Premier League, and obviously with, with VAR. Um, I'd like to be involved in coaching referees at the top level. Um, I think I've um, you know I think I'm qualified for that. Um, the amount of years I spent at the top and an international referee. Um, Perhaps one day, unfortunately, not at the present. That's not that's not happening at the present because, obviously, I I left on I left on um, not not very good terms. Yeah, it's one of the, it's one of those things that happen. Um, I think both sides were at fault, but you know we move on and, and keep keep smiling and, and and keep being pleasant. One of the things that really interests me about you, Mark, is you know what it's like yourself. You hear the pundits, you hear players saying, "What does he know as a referee? He's never played the game." But you actually have played the game. You played for Cambridge City, Hertford Town, you played a game for Barnet and you were also at St Albans, so you've got experience of playing the game. What were you like as a player? Yeah, and obviously you missed one club out of my hometown club, Welling Garden City. Um, so yeah, listen, I was, I was a goalkeeper. I started out as a, a, a centre midfield at my junior school. I, w- I wasn't very good. And as you know, um, when you're not very good, you get stuck in goals, and that's where I that's where that's where I went, and 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 and, and I enjoyed it. Um, yeah, I had many many years. I was, in, I was at Tottenham as a schoolboy. I trained at um, Millwall and, and and Watford, and then eventually went into non-league and um, started my career at Hartford Town, which was under under a chap called um, Tommy Barnett, who was the then manager. Um, I had some great times in non-league football. Uh, really enjoyed it. Had a had a serious injury that led me to perhaps take a break from the game. Um, had a leg injury, was it became infected inside my leg. It was very serious, and then obviously I lost five teeth in an elbow incident. 
referee was useless that day. He never saw the incident. So, <laughs> an elbow from the centre forward. And I, I, I fell out of love of the game um, for a while. And I went to play rugby. Um, played for Welling Rugby Club. Started off in the fifth, in the fifth, then worked my way up into the first eleven. Full back. Um, really, really enjoyed my time at uh, playing playing rugby. And then once again, I got a, a shoulder injury, dislocated shoulder that kept popping out. So I had to, I had to give that up. Um, and took about about eight months out of sport because of so let me shoulder heal. I always remember playing playing rugby because obviously football players always have a moan at the referee, don't they? And of course, I continued that into rugby and straight away I got brought right down to size and kept giving away penalties and that led to perhaps a try or, or a kick and I, so I soon got um, shouted at by my colleagues and then that stopped. But obviously, I went back into football um, for, for a number of years, um, played Sunday Sunday football. And then back in Welling Hatfield Sunday League when I played, um, it was big, 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 big football and um, big games. And you, what you were doing, you were playing with your friends on a Saturday and playing against them on a Sunday, which was which was fantastic. Some great rivalries. Um, always remember playing in a cup final. Went to a penalty shootout. I saved the goalkeeper's penalty and I stepped up and put the winner in and went on the old run. Like, <laughs> But um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I had, a, I had a great time. And it was a good friend of mine that then, around about 89, 88, 89, that said who I'd played with and um, who transferred from being a, a player who I played behind um, for a team called Wellingborough at the time. There was a chap called Russell Foster. He was out, he played centre-half. And I mean, some of the things he used to do behind the referees back, how he never got sent off a lot more times than he did. Um, was unbelievable. And he he became a referee. And of course, I'm a massive, massive cricket lover. Um, loved me cricket. Played all 20, 30 years club cricket down in for Hatfield Hyde in Welling Garden City. And last week, we just lost one of my really good friends that I played with uh, to the coronavirus, so Jack Rashford, unbelievable guy and fan, fabulous cricketer. And he, you know, he's, he's ground backed onto the, the cricket pitch and he used to say, Mark, why don't you come and referee? Why don't you come and referee? And I said, you've got to be absolutely joking. There is no way on earth am I going to become a referee. And, and I thought about it, actually. I thought, and I said to him, I said, you know, and I think the following week we're walking around again and he collared me again. I said, you know what, I've been thinking about what you said and um, I think I will. I said, but I'm not going to take the eight-week course because you had to do an eight-week course. I said, I will read the laws of the game and then I will take the test at the end of it. And that week, I read the laws of the game. The following week, I had the test and I passed and started off in the uh, Hearts County League. And I, I never looked back. You mentioned the fact that you said you would never become a referee. In the end, when you have to stop playing for, obviously, injuries, etc., is refereeing the next best thing? Yeah, I think so. I think there's a, there's a, there's a, a, a lot of referees that would love to play the game but weren't good enough and, and become a referee. I mean, I to say, I loved, me, I loved me playing days, really enjoyed it. Um, and I think one thing I liked as a, a player that I wanted referees to do was to be their own person and let the game flow. Let the game flow. Only come in when, when you needed to and stamp your authority on the game when you needed to. And I think I took that from my playing days into my referee and I think it, I think it, it worked for me. In terms of refereeing, you start, as you say, in the sort of the lower leagues, the non-leagues, and you have to build yourself up. What's the journey like as a referee? What's what level of training are you putting in at that stage? Because I don't imagine it's full time when you when you just start. 
Now, when obviously when you just start, you've got you've got a job to do. Um, and what I used to do, I used to train with my local club. So, you know, when I was refereeing, I still played for Welling Garden City because when they was like when they were struggling midweek, I would then put don the gloves and play midweek games from when they when they were struggling. And I was refereeing on the Saturday and Sunday, but I had to be careful because obviously if you got sent off as 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 a player. That means, and you were suspended. That means you were suspended from refereeing as well. So I had to be, I had to be very, very careful. Um, but I found it um, the transformation easier for me because all the players in the area knew me. They knew me. Obviously, they, they were friendly with me. We played against each other. We played with each other, and I think they they knew I sort of understood the game. Not that it, it, it makes um, an ex-player a very good referee because you still have to work it. And and, and I, I still, you know, I still train twice, three times a week. Um, I played squash as well. I was, I was quite a good squash player. I used that as my training. Um, so I think that, you know, that sort of helped me as well. You, you mentioned you're still playing, you're, you're training hard. What do you remember about when you made your debut in the Football League in, in a professional game for the first time? Yeah, that was at um, Brighton Chester. was my first Football League game as a referee. And um, I mean, I always remember it. I panicked, got stuck on the M25. I, I, I gave myself plenty of time, stuck on that the motorway or the car park, as they call it. Um, arrived a little bit late, but um, but I got there. Um, yeah, and, yeah. I always remember it. we had a streaker on the pitch. We had supporters on the pitch. It was the time when Brighton were were up in uproar because about you know moving grounds and they wanted to stay at the Goldstone and, and, and the chairman was under a lot of pressure. So yeah, it was welcome. You know, my first game was welcome to the football league, welcome to professional football. In terms of your first game, in the podcast, I obviously ask players this a lot: Are you nervous? Are you excited? What's it like as a referee? Because I think a lot of people, especially football fans, forget that for referees, it's a big, it's a big moment as well. It is, yeah, of course. In, in, in any in any level, when when you get promoted into the next level, whether it be you know the Hearts County League and get your, your promotion to the to to, to uh, Class One, um, and you move up levels and you go up through leagues, you're always nervous, you're always nervous, and it, it's great to get out onto the pitch and get the game going and get that um, that first whistle, you know, and, and give that first free kick and you, you get it right, whatever it is, your first decision, you get right and. Um, yeah, I used to enjoy it in my, in my dressing rooms. We used to have great banter in my dressing room with, with the guys. I used to play music in my dressing room to relax us all and have a good, you know, you know, we, we just had good banter, a, good, a laugh and a joke, listen to the music. And then, you know, once that bell went, that's it. That's when, you, you know, your, your thought process gets into gear and get them in the dress, into the tunnel area. And a few words, exchange a few pleasantries and, and off you go. And as I said, it's great to get the game underway and get that, that, that first decision under your belt, which hopefully is correct. <laughs> I always remember doing a, you know, I think it was um, Wolves Sheffield Wednesday. Um, I think it was 13 seconds into the game. I had to send off Kevin Pressman for for a deliberate handball outside out, outside the box. So, you know, in 13 seconds into the game to make a big decision like that live on TV. Um, luckily, it, it was the correct one. So that, that, that helps you. It helps you with your confidence. It's all about you know being compliant. Whatever you do in life is a, whatever you do. It's about confidence, and refereeing is no different. It's about confidence, and you go into the game feeling confident, and you don't go far wrong.
but that comes with you know the correct decision making and, and recognition of of offences and nipping things in the bud, exchanging you know ex engaging with the players, ex ex exchange and talking and, and things like that, and you know just knowing what goes on as, as a player, you know keeping your eyes behind your back, looking at players, picking up the little niggles. That's and so and that, that all adds to your adds to your confidence. You mentioned the confidence level that you need to have and. You also need a real knowledge of the game as well. And something that interests me to ask you as a referee is you're now involved, as you say, on, on the television, doing some of the punditry work, writing a column as well. As a referee, is the most frustrating thing when players criticise your decisions when they don't understand the other game? Sorry, can you say, sorry, say that again, Callum? Stop it. Sorry, In terms of, there. is the most frustrating thing as a referee when... A player or a pundit criticises you when they've not understood the law of the game. Yeah, listen, it's it is, but you just it just goes with the territory. I mean, I remember when I used to referee, and um, I never used to read newspapers. I never used to watch uh, watch watch you know watch the TV or or listen to to things. Because if if you do, and you, you're constantly being, as long as it's constructive criticism, obviously everyone has to learn. As long as it's constructive, you, you, you haven't got a problem with that. But when it's just you're, you're being slaughtered, it can it can dent your confidence. There's no doubt about that. But as long as people were constructive with me and, and looked at it and analysed it, why did he make that mistake? How did he make that mistake? And then you, you, you know, you, you, and you do that yourself. You know, you, you do yourself analyse your own your own performance with a DVD after the game yourself. Something again that I think it's important to ask you. It's something that's always fascinated me and. I'm sure you've been asked this question a hundred million times. As a referee, I'm assuming you're a big football fan. You must have a team that you su you supported, and was that ever difficult as a referee? Yeah, obviously, all my family from Shepherd's Bush, and um, a, my first ever game I went to was QPR at Loftus Road. Queens Park Rangers is my team, and um, yeah, I lived I lived about forty miles away from about out, you know Welling Garden City, so I always used to go in and see them as, as a youngster, get the train up. And when I started playing football, see that diminished, but I still still follow them today. I always remember him refereeing them once because um, I wanted to go on that. I wanted to referee on that hallowed turf, and I refereed them once. And I realised after that I, I could never referee him again because when we scored a goal, I wanted to go and join the celebration. So, but you know, you got to just got to take that aside. But. You know, after that, I thought to myself, now listen, you've got to be true to yourself, you can't referee the team. This was before it all got serious and, you know, about being a supporter or following a team. You can't referee a team that you support or obviously the town you live in. So, but I decided then I couldn't, you know, I couldn't um, referee them anymore because obviously I was a, a supporter. In terms of that, how does that process work when you declare your, your team? And, and without naming names, do some people potentially name a different team so that they can, say for instance you support, I don't know, Manchester United or Liverpool, would a referee potentially declare it as another team just so that they can still get the opportunity of refereeing Anfield or Old Trafford? Uh, no, obviously, well, yeah, I mean, who, who knows, I, I could only speak for myself, but I think, you know, if you, as I say, if you live in that town or that city, then you wouldn't support that, you, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't referee that team anyway, so... Um, that's that's um, that that's that's the way it is, and you have to declare the start of the season now about that. And I think they all know who supports who and and whatever. So something that's again, we talked about your debut in the football league. You mentioned the Brighton Chester. Your debut in the Premier League was Wimbledon versus Coventry, nineteen ninety nine. 
when you get into Absolutely. the Premier League, all the exposure, the television, the interest that's in the Premier League, what was that like? Yeah, obviously, it's one of those where, you, you, you know, you are nervous. You can't wait to get onto the field of play. Um, you, you, and you just, want to, you just want to get out the game unscathed. You want to go through the game without making a major error because you know it's going to be highlighted on, on, on TV. So, you know, you just have to be... You just have to be 100% fully concentrated, confidence in your, in your own ability to go out and referee that football match. And in those days, it was like you either sunk or, you know, sunk or swim. And fortunate for me, I swam. So, you know, I had a, quite a long, a long career at the top and, you know, becoming a FIFA referee as well. So, um, yeah, I like to think that, um, I, you know, I had, a, I had a good season. I, I maybe finished a little bit early. I could have carried on um, a little bit longer, I think. I think... If I if I had um, if I had I think I had someone like Keith Hackett who would have carried on as, as the manager. I think I most probably could have stayed on a, most probably a year or two longer. So I think he would have looked after me a lot a lot better than I was when I came back from illness. In terms of the Premier League, who were the big characters in the, the first few seasons that you refereed? Because the likes of Roy Keane were in the league at that time. Vieira, Tony Adams, what were they like to referee? Uh, oh, good. I mean, I had some great. I mean, I. I thought, you know, Roy Keane, I thought Paul Scholes was, was fantastic to referee. Roy Keane as well. I mean, it's all about banter. It's all about engaging with the players. And I, I, I mean, it's not, obviously I can't speak on air some of the banter and some of the language that was used. But, you know, that, it's shot floor language. And I, I, I had great banter with Scholesy. I had great banter with Roy Keane. And you knew, and, and Gary Neville, and, and, and all the others, you know, Stephen Gerrard, all the top players. Um, I, I had great, great, great banter with him, and, and always you know, laugh and joke with Patrick Vieira. He used, to, he used to like me as a referee because I was funny. So you know, but um, listen, it, 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 all it is is a football match with twenty-two players, and the only difference is it, it's professional and it's a diff, you know big, big grounds with people watching. Um, so, but listen, I, I, I had the honour. I was given you know great privilege by the Premier League. You know, to referee in the Premier League and become a professional referee, so I owe the, the BGL and the Premier, Premier League a, a great, a great debt. In terms of the banter between players, is that something that that you feel is important to help them relax in the game and also help you relax as well and, and have that relationship with them? And is that something you feel is getting out of the game now? Yeah, I, I think I think looking at I think at the moment I think you could say they're under a lot of pressure. The officials at the moment are under a lot of pressure. Um, but you, you know, sometimes I think they're a little bit too aggressive and they're too quick to show the yellow cards. And listen, you can have that banter on the field of play. You, you, it's, you can still ref, refereeing is an art. It's not, it's not a science. It's an art, and you can and refereeing doesn't change. You know the laws of the game. Yeah. They, they look at the laws of the game. They make little changes here and there. But you, it's still about, you know, we're a football family. You know, fans, supporters, they're, they're just as important. Players, referees, coaches, managers. It's that football family. And you need to, you need to come together. And, you know, you, you can't just... Referees think they can just go on the field of play and command respect straight away. That's not the case. Respect comes with the way you treat players, the way you talk to players, recognition of fences, you know, Getting the decisions right, picking up, you know, what goes on behind you, picking up the little, the bad challenge here, the bad challenge there, playing the advantage, letting the game flow, letting the players know that you've seen that and you've seen this, you'll deal with it, and you'll come back to it and speak to the player, and, and and that's what that's what refereeing is all about, and obviously it all comes into man managing. It's all about man management. You know, you can man manage games, 
all the time. There are times where you can't, and you've got to come in and you've got to stamp your authority on the game by sharing a yellow card and, or, or a red card. But I just feel we've sort of gone away from that. Um, you know, how many times do you see a referee smile on the field of play? Now, you don't. You know, you can have that play. You can have that laugh and a joke with the players. You can smile with the players, but you've got to, when you need to stamp that authority, you do. And the players will respect that. Players will respect that. Absolutely. I think that's something that's crucial. And another thing that I think is really interesting about when you came in is from 1999 to about 2012 time when you retired, the end of 2012, kind of 13 season, the pace of the game, how did that? How did you notice the difference in that year on year in the Premier League? Yeah, listen, obviously, I think it's not in the, I think the pace of the game is, is it's not a great deal different from when I, I finished in, in, um, in 2012-2013 season. Um, but it's, as I say, you know, obviously with the VAR coming in now, it's a lot, lot, lot different. Um, it would have been great. I would like to have VAR when I was, you know, there was a few decisions perhaps coming towards the end of my career that I, I, I got wrong and I'd love to have had VAR. Um, but it, it's, it's, it's still a fantastic product. The Premier League is still the most watched league around the world. It's still fantastic to be involved with, you know, with, with the newspaper. And obviously I work with a little bit with BN Sports over in Doha as well. So as I say, it's fantastic to still be involved in it. The question I've got to ask you, who are the toughest players to referee? Oh, the toughest, toughest players. Um, listen, there's, there's, there was many, there was many tough players. Um, they're, they're all, they're all tough. And if you got decisions wrong, everyone was tough. They all, they all come at you. Um, I'm not going to single out any, any, any player or good players. Um, as I say, there was, there was some fantastic players in the Premier League. Um, and yes, there was a few I had problems with. There was a few that was like that. I mean, I mean, okay, I'm going to say one. I'm going to say, I mean, Craig Bellamy. Craig Bellamy. <laughs> Doesn't shock me. He, I mean, oh, gee, he was unbelievable. He was worth for my, I said to him once, you were worse than my first wife. And I divorced her. And, I, you know, we had, a little, we, had a little, we had a little joke. But, you know, off the pitch, he was fabulous. You know, but it, it was that banter you had on the field of play. You needed that banter to keep you concentrating and 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 and, and your head focused on 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 the game. But uh, listen, I've I've had some wonderful memories. Wonderful memories. I always remember John Terry coming into my dressing room. You know, always used to come in with you know the manager with a team sheet, and always used to chat, slap him around the chops. Always, he said, Mark. You always do that to me when you come into the dressing room. Why? It says because I can't do it out there, John. We had great laughs. It was, it was good. You know, they, they knew, players knew me and, and I knew the players. It's like in, in, in any level, when you're refereeing the same players, you get to know them and the players get to know you. They know what they can get. Players, players are not stupid. They know what they can get away with with which referee. They know a weak referee. They know a strong referee. Um, so player, players are not silly, and that's the same all the way up through the leagues, whether you're refereeing Sunday morning or you're refereeing professional football. They know their referees. Players know their referees. You mentioned VAR, and you said you would like to have had that towards the end of your career. See the thing with VAR and the, the Premier League, do you think they should be making more use of the monitor at the side of the pitch, or do you think what they're doing with Stockley Park is the way to go? No, absolutely. I, I think that if you look at the IFAB protocol and you look at all the other leagues around the world that are implementing VAR, what do their referees do? What do they do <laughs> on subjective decisions? What do they do, Callum? Go to the screen. 
coach the monitor. The referee, the, re the on-field referee has to be the man that makes that final decision when it's subjective. Has to be. Has to be. And I think that's one of the problems we've got in the Premier League. And obviously the Premier League bringing in their own protocol regarding that. And if there's one, if there's one, I know, listen, we've had problems with offsides this season. We've had problems with the handball law this season. Hopefully that will change next season with the, the new interpretation of handball. Um, but if there's one thing that they could change that won't affect, because obviously you cannot change the offside law, you cannot change the handball law midway, halfway, or coming towards the end of the season. But what, one thing they can change is the referees going to the monitor. And I think if, if the, if, if the PGML would have insisted on that, using the IFAB protocol as, as it's written from the start of the season, I don't think would have been had so much criticism on, on the PGML and the management for, their, um, for the way they've in, implemented VAR in the Premier League. Without putting you in a spot, Mark, do you th why do you think they've chosen to go down a different route? Is it a case of them wanting to show that their way is, is, is different and better? Or, or do you think... Wait, it, well, it's certainly different. It's certainly different and it certainly isn't better. Um, I, I, I mean, I, I think, from my understanding, is they felt perhaps it would take too long for um, the referee to go over, view the monitor, and then come back and make the decision. Well, we, we've seen that... Not correct. We've seen English referees, Andy Taylor, in the Champions League, go and view the monitor, haven't we? Absolutely, yep. How long did it take? I think it was, um, it was, it was a Champions League game. I can't remember the game. It was a penalty where the goalkeeper come and wipes out the centre-forward. Andy Taylor didn't give a penalty. He was recommended a review. He's gone over. 10, 15 seconds, he's come back and give a penalty. Excellent. That's what we want to see. In the Premier League, we've seen decisions where they're making it is the referee, the off-field referee is making a decision. He shouldn't be, and we're seeing what a minute, two minutes, sometimes three minutes. And if it's taking three, four, five, six, seven replays, and it's not a clear and obvious error, we shouldn't even be looking at it. And I, I think you know it's it's totally different um, an active referee to refereeing on the field of play to an active referee then going and being a, a VAR operative. Um, it's two totally different professions and I would like to listen we haven't got enough enough officials to, to accommodate at the top level because you know we've got Premier League referees refereeing on a, on, a, on a Saturday and then going into the VAR bunker on a Sunday or a Monday I, I, I can't see that being can't be right because you can't make that transformation from being an active referee and then not into the bunker for me I don't understand why we don't employ top ex-referees that have recently tied in the last five or six years to go and do that, to do that job. I mean, and also you've got, and, and, and also, you, obviously also you've got referees that are doing double bubble on a Saturday and a Sunday in that VAR bunker. So they're doing a game early on, on a Saturday, the 12.30, then they're staying around doing the, the, the 5.30 kickoff later on. I mean, that can't be right, can it? That can't be right. No, absolutely, and it's one of those things where, as you know, it, it must lead to burnout because if you're refereeing a game on a Saturday and you've maybe made a decision or two that you're maybe not happy with, you're going home, as you know, you're reflecting on that at night, and rather than yep. in your next game, you've then got to go into the VAR and, and, and do another game very quickly. Uh, and that used to happen, that happens often. You, know, you get into your car and you, you play back decisions through your head about, oh, I've got that right, I hope I've got that right, and you look at it and you, you, play, you replay it back through your mind 
because you're driving. Now, what about the guys that are in the, the VAR room on a Saturday? Then they finish and they've got to get in their car and go up to Manchester or Liverpool or wherever they've got to go and get ready for the game the next day. That, how, can that, that can't be, how can that be good preparation? How can that be? It's not good preparation, is it? It's not. No, I totally agree with you. And, and it's something that, 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 as you say, will be interesting to see if they do change it. What I want to go on to next is refereeing big occasions because you refereed the playoff final in 99, Man City against Gillingham, which when you think of Man City now, completely different. What was it like refereeing a playoff final and the game went to penalties and extra time, the extra time and penalties? What was that like? Well, well, I'm a hero in Manchester and I, that changed Manchester City's, that game was pivotal, wasn't it, to, to the rise of, of Manchester City now. Um, City fans love me. Gillingham fans still hate me. Um, obviously, my social media account, I always get the odd, uh, the odd uh, um, Twitter uh, message from a, a Gillingham Gills fan. So, uh, but listen, it's like it's, it's like a player. Every player, um, when he starts out on his career, wants to referee a, a player final or, like us, referee a final at Wembley. I mean, I was fortunate enough to do, you know, the old Wembley and the new Wembley. Um, and it, listen, it, yeah, of course it is nervous. You know, I, I remember walking, walking out that tunnel, the old Wembley, walking up that, that hill and all of a sudden a full house, you know, just, it just hit you. And you, you, you can't freeze. You've just, got to, you've just got to stay focused. And, I mean, what a game it was. What a, what a fantastic game it was. It really was, you know, I was, what was I, 30, 38, 39. You know, been on the Football League for a couple of seasons and there I was refereeing at Wembley. And then, obviously, that season I was promoted to the, to the Premier League. That, you know, obviously promoted it. But, no, it was a fantastic moment, fantastic memory. And, and it, what was nice about it is I refereed the first, the first ever game played at the Etihad football game. That was Barcelona opening the stadium at Manchester City. So, and every time now, I mean, the City fans, they, they, they just, I'm, I'm, I'm their hero because <laughs> I put them back, you know, where they are. So, but, and it was great going back there. You know, I finished my career there. Was a, got a fantastic evasion. Went back there. Um, I refereed Vincent Company's testimonial there, you know, in September, which was great, you know, really enjoyed it. Um, so, yeah, listen, I, I had some fantastic football memories with football, playing, refereeing, you know, non-league as well, playing, you know. I mean, my brother's a manager at Ware Football Club. He's just missed, you know, they should have been promoted. They would have been promoted this season, but they've none void the league um, in the, in the, in the um, Ishmian League, South, South Central. He rings me up moaning about referees week in, week out. You know. <laughs> but, um, no, listen, I've had some fabulous, fabulous times, um, you know, refereeing around the world. Um, met my wife now at Bolton Wanderers. She was working in the players' bar. Um, you know, so we, you know, we met there. So that was, you know, that was, that was good. Um, but, listen, as I say, I had a wonderful time. I really, really enjoyed me, my time as, as a referee. One of the big occasions, the League Cup final, Spurs Chelsea. What was it like with yeah. that game? And Tottenham fans must still love you. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, well, as I say, I, that, that was the first. I think that was the first. I'm right. That was the first um, uh, League Cup final back at uh, back at Wembley. And uh, yeah, it was. I mean, listen, it was. Ah, it was. It was great. I mean, I always remember Chelsea going. I think Chelsea went one 0 up, and um, Tottenham uh, getting Tottenham getting a penalty for a handball and. Uh, it was my assistant um, that that, that, um, that gave the uh, the penalty that day, and I, I remember him um, flagging, you know, 
I'm like a flame was coming in for handball, coming in the land. I'm thinking, what are you doing? What are you flagging? What are you giving me a penalty for? You know, and I think, oh no. And I remember giving the penalty and all the players come. I said, it's Eastball, nothing to do with me. It's Eastball, he gave me, not me. <laughs> but, you know, luckily it was, um, it, 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 it was correct and um, it, 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 was, it, was a good, it was a good day. I mean, it, the, the thing is about them finals, they just go so quickly. You know, they just, you know, someone said to me, just treasure the moment on the field of play. You know, at the end of the, you know, when you go out, you walk out before you blow the whistle, look around and treasure the moment and treasure the moment at the end of the end of the game as well. And just have a look around and it's absolutely spot It goes so quickly. Um, but great, as I say, again, you know, into extra time, great, great memories. And as I say, I had, a, I had a great team with me that day as well. One of the things that I always find interesting about a referee and the person I feel sorry for in refereeing more than the referee himself is the, is the fourth official because you're getting it from both managers all the oh, time. Oh, <laughs> yeah, What's I've that had, like? I've because had, you did that oh, in the yeah, yeah. final as well. I mean, I'm not going to say the referee, but I remember, uh, I remember um, being fourth official at, um, at the Britannia, Stoke and Wigan. And, and, and the Britannia is one of the most hostile grounds in the, in the Premier League when they were in the Premier League same with Goodison Park and St James's they were the uh, hostile grounds to, to referee you always knew you had to be on on on, on the money you know your performance because you knew what you were going to get from a very part saying crowd and I was I was standing in the middle of um, it was uh, who came to me um, it was Graham Jones and who was it David Kemp was it Kemp David Kemp was assistant manager pretty sure yeah it, um yeah, I'm sure. I always remember um, standing there and the referee, he, he, let's say he was, he, was, he was having an indifferent performance. And we all have those. We all have those. And both, at the same time, he made this decision. He, they both of them came straight to me and they just said, how on earth is that referee a Premier League referee? And I just looked, I just stood there. I thought, you know what, I thought. I can't answer that. So, you know, you you you, you get things and they look at you and they come and say things to you and you just... You, it's the same again. You have, you have to manage them. You have to manage them. Being a fourth official with some of the biggest managers in the history of, of kind of football, you think of Ferguson, Mourinho, Wenger, Ancelotti, you can name them all. What's it like being fourth official with those guys? Are they quieter than maybe some of the assistants that you've just mentioned, or are they even more? No, fun? not at all. I mean, if, if a decision goes against them, they'll be straight at you. Don't you know? You know, no two ways about that. You know, they're, they're passionate about their football. They're passionate about their football clubs, and you know, when they think they, they've they've seen a, a decision that's gone against them and they're not happy, they're going to come and vent your anger at you, and you just you just have to. You know, sometimes you, you to appease them, you just agree with them. Yeah, I can understand why you you know why you why you're upset with that. Yeah, okay, well, I'll have a chat with him at half-time, I'll speak to him at half-time, and hopefully I'll come out with an answer for the second half. Or, come, you know, if it was like in the second half, listen, you know you can come in and dress and knock on the door and come and have a word. You know, so, and when, when we were mic'd up and I used to ask referees, they used to tell me and say, well, listen, I'll give it because of that, I'll give you this and that. And they used to just go back and relap back, back to the managers just to keep them happy. You mentioned the, the, the knocking on the referee's door. What's it like when a manager wants to do that? Is it an ever-racking experience, or do you think well, they stand by it? Well, they used to they used to get um, you know, 30, thirty minutes. Um, used to get get used to get thirty minutes after the game. Wait, excuse me. We've got the uh, the dog making a noise. And uh, one minute, Dave, mate, gone. Sit down. There you go. 
Yeah, what was the uh, what was the question? Sorry, I didn't quite get that. So um, obviously we were talking about being the fourth official, and and then we talked about when you said about being a referee, and if somebody chaps your, your door, what's it like well, when a manager comes? Where well, they where well, they used to get used they used to get you know thirty minutes they could come in at the end of the uh, end of the game and uh, and uh, to come and ask you about certain decisions and. Uh, I used to get showered and get out before the 30 minutes was up so they couldn't see me. <laughs> but no, listen, listen, I, I, I've had a few conversations. As long as, they, as long as they come in and, and, you know, you agree to disagree and it's in a, friend, in a, in a, friend, in a friendly manner, you, you, haven't, you haven't got a problem with that. So, um, but listen, they, they'd see it their way. You give your, um, your reasoning why you give it or why you didn't give it. And if they don't accept it, then listen, as I say, you, you agree, sometimes you agree to disagree and they saw our point of view. I remember, I remember a referee in a game at, at the Etihad, um, Martin O'Neill was in charge of, um, it was Man City, Aston Villa. I awarded a penalty to Man City in the first half and coming, coming off Martin O'Neill and, and John Robinson, who was his assistant then, Going down the tunnel at the Etihad, oh, they give me a volley of abuse, volley of abuse. And I just ignored them, went into my dressing room. Um, half time, got a knock at the door. Uh, John Robinson came in and said, Mark, I said, you can't come in at half time, John. No, he said, no, Mark, I just want to apologise. We've seen this and, and it is a penalty. We, we apologise for our behaviour. And you, you know, and you, you understand their emotions. And, you know, some referees were, most probably would have reported them. Um, but I, sometimes you've got to understand, you know, their emotions, and not not that you condone it, but you have to understand what they're going through. And it, you know, as I say, it doesn't make them right. But sometimes when they come and, and they apologise, you can, yeah, you, you, okay, fine, no problem. Let's, let's, let's move on. I remember sending John Terry off at the Etihad as well. <laughs> well how comes it always happens at the Etihad? And we, he came in the dressing room, and we sat fifteen. We had, we had a good chat for fifteen, twenty minutes when our referee Man City Chelsea. Um, we sat down in, in just room for about 10, 15 minutes, had a good chat, you know, had a good chat. And then he, he went up and left and, you know, away you go, move on. I'm interested to know, how would you describe a match day in the Premier League from a referee's point of view? What's the day like as a whole? Obviously, it, it all depends where you are. If, you, if, you, if you're local or like where I live in, I live in Bolton. Um, you know, if I was at Goodison or I was up in, you know, or Manchester or local, um, or down at Stoke, I would I would stay in my own house and then just travel travel down to the hotel where we have to meet for you know you meet four hours before kickoff. Or most of the time, I would you know I, I, sort of I was further away. I'd I'd stay in the hotel overnight and some of my colleagues and we'd have dinner together, have breakfast together, have a chat, and you know you, you sort of itchy and it's, you want this, you want this, you know to get get round to three o'clock and get it and get it done, you know get it started. You know we used to have safety briefing, but. Um, at uh, say it was a three o'clock kickoff, it'd be the safety briefing would be at one forty-five. The team sheets an hour before kickoff. So um, that you know, sort of like, you know, that's the sort of day, and, and or in the in the mornings, or, or sort of leading up leading up to a game. You'd be bussed in from the hotel to the ground. I always used to like to arrive at the, the, the ground at, at half twelve, and I was in my dressing room at half one, getting ready and prepared for for the game. The game itself, one of my friends actually is a referee in Scotland at the kind of lower league level at the moment, hoping to progress up, which is good luck to him. He's, he's yeah. still in his early 20s, so good on him. But one of the things he always talks about, which I've loved, is when he describes the way a referee, like a player, if a player plays up front and they miss a few sitters, they go home at night and they beat themselves up about it and they reflect on it. And 
it's exactly the same as referees. You've obviously had plenty of great games, Mark, but whenever something does go wrong, how do you reflect on it? Yeah, yeah absolutely right. You do beat yourself up. If you, if you get a big decision wrong, you do beat yourself up. There's no doubt about that. And I mean, I mean, I've had decisions where obviously you know I've got I've got I've got things wrong, and you sort you sort of, you sort of don't eat. You don't eat. You, 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 your stomach's churning inside of you. It's churning, and and you don't eat. Um, so and it, and it goes on for a couple of days, and then you you, you look at it, you analyse your performance, you look at it, why you got it wrong, and and then see if you can you know don't make that mistake again. But it does get you. It does get to you, and then it, it takes two or three days to get over that, and then you move on and you, you park it. And and you move on. I mean, the best the best players make mistakes. The best referees make mistakes. You you know, but the better referees don't make as many as the mediocre referees. So you know, you park it, move on, and hopefully you learn from it. Another thing with the English Premier League, the referees are full time, as we know. You train together. You you obviously know each other. Are there ego? Are there battles of egos within refereeing? Without obviously naming names, like there are in the playing side as well. Well, I mean, listen, I, can, I mean, it, I, I, it's not for me to say. I mean, yeah, you got some, it's a perception that some of them have got egos, but you know, we all got we all got on well. We all, you know, we used to go training together. We used to play eight v eights, and we used to sometimes kick each other on the training pitch. You know, but in good good humour because we always finished up training with a with a, an eight v eight or a nine v nine. How many? All depends how many of us were there. So we always like to you know play football after we finished training. But listen, you know, I. I just wanted to go. My, my aim was just to go out, referee a football match, the best as best of my ability, and, and, and go out and enjoy and smile and be pleasant. It doesn't cost anybody to anything, anything, just to go out there and smile and be pleasant. Another thing about you that's very unique and very inspiring, Mark, is the fact that you get you you played the game. You started in the counties leagues. You work your way up to the Premier League. Get to the top of your game. And then you get the news that you're, you're battling cancer just after, as you've said, that your wife finds out she's also battling leukaemia. Just, just how hard was that experience? And, and when you were coming back from it, just how tough was the comeback? I was, yeah, it was. I mean, to be, I mean, my wife was diagnosed first with her leukaemia and she's still fighting it now. Um, but then for me to be diagnosed um, eight, you know, things, eight months later, um, was it was it was hard enough with my wife, you know. Obviously, we had a little girl at the time, um, and for me as well, it was it was just it it, it was just I mean, it was just awful because you know when you hear that word, the big C, you think are you gonna, the first things that come to you, am I going to survive? That's 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 the thing that you think about straight away. You know, I remember my first game, Everton Arsenal that season. That was me. I thought I'd, I you know I shouldn't have refereed that game. But I did because I knew on the Monday I was going in to have surgery to remove the tumour. Um, and obviously, had radio and chemotherapy after that. Um, but, yeah, I mean, obviously, I, I, the, the support I got from the football community was, was second to none. It was, it was fantastic, absolutely brilliant, and I wouldn't have survived without it. Um, I, I think me, me, me coming back, um, I felt what, what I found difficult was... Obviously, I lost, you know, obviously with the poison that had gone into my body, I found it difficult to get back to, to fitness with, you know, me, me, me um, you know, I suppose back to the fitness, the fitness I had before me, before me illness. 
Um, I found it very, very difficult with, with the training, the you know, the, the the high intensity running. I just, I, I couldn't do it. I couldn't. You know, I had to retake another fitness test. I couldn't pass that. I couldn't see me passing it. Um, and I felt under pressure because obviously, you know, looking for you know to keep you on looking, you know, because I didn't, I didn't want that to be my last game. I thought it would be my last game at Arsenal Everton, but I came back and I was given the green light to go. Well, I was told I would never ever referee again at the top level. And that was my inspiration to prove people wrong. And, and, and I did, but I, I found it ever so difficult to get back. Um, I think I came back too early. I came back far too early because I felt pressurised to come back early. Um, but, um, but, you know, listen, I've got a lot of people to thank, especially that, you know, the Christie, Christie Hospital and my professor, Tim Elish, that saved my life. Um, and it's... It, I'm, I'm most probably one of the lucky ones that can hear and I'm here today talking about it to you. There's not, there's a lot of people that are not so lucky and, um, and obviously my wife as well, um, who's still here fight fighting. So it makes you look at life totally differently. Um, but listen, you know, just pleased to still be around and, and, um, enjoying life. Absolutely. And, and the comeback story was inspiring because as you say, you want your way to the top, you get that news, you hear that word and you think, well, what, what do you, where do you go from there? But you, you battled it. You got back to the top flight and, and you got back, which was, was just inspiring. One of the things about refereeing, especially after going through that process, is you know what it's like. You get abuse everywhere you go at times as a referee. With certain fans, you made a bad decision 10 years ago. They still remember it. One of the big games you got to referee was Liverpool-Manchester United. And I know there was a lot of abuse came your way on social media after that. What, was that difficult to deal with? And is it difficult to deal with for a referee? It, it is, it is because it becomes personal. I mean, listen, it, it's part of the course to, in, you know, uh, when you're refereeing and you get that abuse from fans, they pay their money and you get that. But for, for, for the abuse I got from, from Liverpool fans after that, um, it, I, it, wasn't, it wasn't so much me, it was the way it was directed at my, at my family, at my wife and my young daughter. That, that was the thing that hurt me the most. Um, but listen, look, it, it, it happens, you know, got, got an apology from Liverpool Football Club, fine, no problem, and so you, so you move on. But I think, I think that was perhaps that, and I think that was might have one of the things that perhaps led me to think about, you know, um, sort of calling it a day, that, that sort of abuse, and especially when you, it involves your family. But I couldn't have been that bad because Liverpool players still like me and Stevie Gerrard asked me to referee his testimonial, so which I was it was fine. So but listen, you do get you do get the minority, don't you? So you just it's it's, it's part of the course as a referee and, you, and if if you didn't have that mental toughness um to let it go in one ear out the other ear, you would never make it to the top as to referee at the, the highest level. Not a problem. I think that's um something that as you've said is 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 the way to to approach it because when it comes to abuse, you know what it's like. There's always going to be a minority. Whatever you do, whether that's a referee, a player, even just a normal person in social media these days. And the last season, 12-13, finishing off at Man City, you mentioned it was tougher coming back fitness-wise after your illness. Was that game the perfect way to end? The fact it was a 3-2 thriller and an upset as well? Yeah, it was an upset, and it, I must say it was. You know, it was, it was. It was. I was proud because my daughter Lucy was the mascot for the day. So that was that was that was fantastic. And one of my best pals was my fourth official in, in uh, Mark Clattenburg. Um So yeah, it was it, it was a, it was a proud way to finish. Uh, I remember going in dressings after the game and uh, 
Norwich players frame me in the shower. They get me soaking wet. <laughs> so, but listen, it, 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 yeah, it was, it was, it was, it was a, it was, a, it was a great day and um, few, few tears, obviously, because because your career has come to an end. You know, remember, you know, I was promoted in 1996 to the national list, and then you know, sort of 2013, I was finishing. But as I said at the beginning, I, I think when I look back, I think to myself, could I have perhaps done another one or two years? You know, perhaps I could have done with with proper management. Um, or correct management and a bit of loving, I think I would have, I could have stayed on. But listen, they're, they're all by the way, so that's all gone. You've got, you've got to move on and, and 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 live for today. But as I say, I'm I'm enjoying it. I'm 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 playing vets football. Um, I'm refereeing as well, so I'm refereeing Spanish players in the vets league out here. But when I'm when I'm out here, so they 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 enjoy my refereeing. Um, totally different to some of the Spanish guys we have refereeing us. Oh, it's unbelievable. But listen. You know, always, always try and um, be polite and nice to them. So, um, and they they know who I am when they see me playing in goals. I think they look after me as well. <laughs> <laughs> One of the things that interests me is is the punditry aspect to referee, and especially with VAR, the fact that's coming in more and more now. Peter Walton's been doing a wee bit in BT. You've been on BT Sports before. You're also writing for the Sun newspaper, as you've said as well. Is the punditry aspect something you really enjoy? Obviously, doing it with BN too. Yeah, I, I, listen, I enjoy it. Yeah, um, I do enjoy it. And listen, I mean, you, sometimes you look at it, you know, listen, I respect, you know, Peter and Dermot, you know, a lot of respect for both of them that do, um, you know, obviously do it for Sky as well. But you've, you've got to be honest, you know, you've got to be constructive, but at the same time, you've got to be honest. You cannot defend the undefendable. And I, I sometimes I look at it and they're trying to find ways to defend the referee or a, or a decision, and you, you, sometimes you just cannot do that. You, you've got to you've got to admit that the, re, the the referee's got it wrong. But look at why the referee's got it wrong. Be constructive. You know, was he was he in the wrong position? Was it was the was the you know the the place play so quickly he couldn't get there, or he had a player in his in, in his viewing angle? Look at the analyze the reasons why he's got it wrong, and and see, and then you know go away and look at it and and be constructive. Constructive, as you've said, is, is the best way to be in, in punditry, whether that for a player or a referee. And I just want to finish with around the quick fire questions. The first one being, what was your favourite ground to referee at? Uh, my favourite ground? Um, I think if I've got a favourite, if, if I've got a favourite, um, I have to say uh, Goodison Park. What Goodison Park for me. But, well, one of the things, you know, at Goodison, I mean, as a referee, you make a lot of friends. You make a lot of friends in, in backroom staff, you know, because they're the same faces there all the time. And, and officials, or fan, players, officials, and fans at, yeah, play, at, at Goodison, especially the, the spectators at Goodison, they know their football. They know their referees. And it's so close. The, 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 the stands are so close to the pitch. You have to be on your metal. You have to be on, on top of your game when you're referee at Goodison. And, you know, walking out to Zed Cars was one of my favourite uh, one of my favourite um, themes, uh, theme tunes. And, uh, you yeah, know, I used to love walking out there. And I, always, and I, I mean, 
yeah, obviously I had my illness. My first game, my, my last game was at Goodison, and they invite me back to referee a pre-season friendly at um, Everton v Everton Chile. Um, got a standing ovation from the twenty-six thousand crowd, which was was you know, a treasure for the rest of my life. And they always, I think Everton took me into my into me into their hearts because I, you know, the way I refereed there. And as I say, playing that that Goodison, you know, the side of Z guys. I remember refereeing. I was refereeing a. A Carling, a Carling Cup game at Upton Park, and it was um, West Ham Everton. And at that time, because I liked the Zcast theme, I had it on my phone. And obviously, you always once you're getting in your, into the grounds, you turn you, you turn your phone on silent, you turn it off so you don't ring or you, you know it's not when you're walking through. And at this time, I walk, I'm walking through where all the West Ham staff was standing into the changing room area, and me, I didn't turn my phone off, and my phone went off. And what was playing on my phone, on my ringtone? Zed cars. <laughs> Who were West Ham playing? Everton. And I thought, I had to sprint into the gesture. So, not my phone. They were going, whose phone's that? So, I had, to, I, you know, I had to quickly turn it off. But they're the sort of things you, you sort of look, you know, you, you have a laugh and, you, you, and those, those, sort, those sort of instances. But, listen, I had many, many, let's say, great memories around, you know, through my career. Have you got a least favourite ground that was maybe like a bogey ground for you? I know every player's got one. Um, but I don't think, uh, not, not really. Um, yeah, you always, you're, you're superstitious at the way you are changed and, the, and uh, when you go to a certain ground, you always, if you, if you go to a ground for the first time and you put your bag down and you, you have a, a good game or you, you, know, you, you feel that you've had a good game, you always go back when you go back to that ground. You take the same space up. You, you put your bag in the same place. And if anyone else is bag there, because you're the boss, you throw their bag out of the way and say, "I'm changing there." So I had a lot, I had a lot of superstitions, and I used to change the same way. Um, I wouldn't say I wouldn't say I, I, I had a you know a least favourite ground. I mean, I love you know whether I refereed in the Premier League, League One, or League Two, I treated every game the same because every every league deserves. Good referees, and you know when you go down the leagues, league, you know, into League One, League Two, it's a potential banana skin because they always know they know you're a Premier League referee. So you don't want to get allsy, you're Premier League, you're having a laugh. So you, know, you just want to go out there and uh, you know, have, you know, do a decent job. In terms of yourself, you also managed and uh, managed refereed international level as well. And is there ever a player you were on the pitch with who, which you look back now, having retired, and think, well, I'm really proud that I was on the pitch with him? Yeah, I think, as I say, there's many, many players that you sort of admire, and, and um, because obviously, the, because you, you love you love football, you know, because we referee. Don't mean to say we don't love the game. We do. We love the game. We love players. And I think if there's one player that I had the, I had the privilege to referee was Zidane Zidane um, in, in the high school in Belgium um, when he was playing for France. He, just he was just above totally a different class above everybody else that I'd you know I'd, I'd refereed and I think if I say the best player I think I would have to say is the things Brilliant. And the last question I've got for you, Mark, is you've obviously refereed from non-league to the Premier League. You've also went through adversity and and you've come back from that to also get to the top level again. What advice would you give to any referees listening to this? Advice: go out and enjoy. And referee with a smile on your face. A smile on your face, enjoy and engage with the players. Because you get players on your side, it becomes a lot easier. Brilliant, Mark. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you very much.
You're welcome, Callum. All the best, my friend. Stay safe and all those out there, stay safe and uh, observe the government guidelines because, as I say, we don't, we've seen too many people lose their lives and especially from you know, the frontline workers, the NHS. I think it's over 100 we've seen lose their lives and that just shouldn't happen. So please out there, stay safe. So we'll dive down to the ocean And we'll make our home in a deep sea cave And our shells will all be open They'll be filled with song, they'll be filled with song We'll dive down to the ocean And we'll make our home in a deep sea cave And our shells will all be open They'll be filled with song, they'll be filled with song